0: Open your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. I just want to sing one chorus. It is no secret What God can do What He's done for others He'll do for you and you and you and you with arms wide open. There's no hesitation on his part. He'll pardon
1: you. Ooh.
0: I hear chords. It is no secret. You know why this song's precious to me is my daddy used to sing it. Mom, dad used to sing this before he had preached, didn't he? A lot. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report and to whom is the the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he will have no form of comeliness or handsomeness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. I'll give you my title in a moment. But he asked two questions. At this, This is a prophecy chapter concerning the crucifixion of Jesus. The next part of the verse, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. On and on, the gospel presented thousands of years, Jesus on a cross before he would ever go to the cross. And it begins by asking two questions. Who has believed his report? Who believes it? Who 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 believes it? And to whom? Because whoever believes it, that's to whom the arm of the Lord will be extended. And he'll grow up before them as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. The the two questions that are asked let us know why so many people don't accept Jesus as Messiah. Because they don't believe the report. They, They are full of unbelief. Therefore, the arm of the Lord does not extend to them because of their unbelief. He will, he will be, it's a metaphor, a root out of dry ground. He's trying to draw a mental picture. Isaiah sees something. He sees Messiah is coming, but he says this is different. The atmosphere, the, the environment in which he will be planted into will not be conducive to growth. He will come out of extreme, adverse conditions, but those adverse conditions will not determine the outcome. You may be facing adverse circumstances, but they do not have to determine the outcome of your life. You may have come out of a troubled home, family. You may have come out of abuse and pain and You may be in a mess right now, even while I'm speaking to you, wherever you're watching this or hearing this message. But he emphasizes the unfavorable conditions the Messiah would appear from. That's a pattern. That's a Bible principle. He is not moved by the unfavorable conditions that we struggle with. And it may feel like you've got a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad that... It's just not the condition that God could really do anything in their life. You don't understand the principle that he's a root out of dry ground. He does, un- he does not need anything from that person for him to do what he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He mentions the lack of physical attraction concerning Jesus that he would not possess that he would not fit the stereotype of previous Jewish leaders. For example, David, the Bible said, was handsome. He was comely. He was handsome, unusual uh, features and strong and handsome man. The Bible says of Saul, the first king of Israel, he, he looked like a leader. He, um, he stood a head and shoulders. The text says physically of his stature was a head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. When he walked in the room, he stood out. He looked like a winner. He looked like a leader. He fit all of the criteria of uh, uh, someone who would grab the attention of masses of people, not Jesus. Not Jesus. He will come out of power, he will come to power out of dry ground, barren. It's a description of someone who would appear to look like they do not have much of a chance to survive, not to mention to thrive and grow and take over the world. What a joke. The times in which Jesus came and was born was a time of immorality. Immorality was rampant. They sexual immorality uh, was rampant in the world in the time that Christ was born. They were serving multiple gods, false religions everywhere. Hate was stronger than love. But it's in that dry, barren desert of a land that suddenly the tender plant begins to take root and grow. The high priest's religious system was corrupt. They had been invaded by Babylon, been invaded by Persians, been invaded by the Greeks, and by the, now conquered by the Romans, and Israel had was just a shell of its glorious past. They were not a powerful nation. There was nothing, it was dry ground. Jesus, in the lineage of David, had lost. The lineage of David had lost the crown, had lost its glory. It was no big deal to anybody but Jewish people. The Romans could care less. They laughed. You have to understand that had he descended from Caesar, had he descended from uh, uh, Pharaoh or some powerful person who had armies and wealth and power, that might have given him a little chance to actually become someone that could change the world. But this is just a root out in the desert. It has no hope. There's nothing in the circumstances around it that will cause it to grow up and be anything. His identity as a Jew added nothing. It was an honor to be a part of the seed of Abraham. Only among the Jews, it meant nothing. Judaism had lost its thrill. It was nothing but legalism. It was nothing but ritualism. Had he been Greek, had he been a philosopher, had he been a Roman citizen, at least he would have some kind of pathway to, to becoming powerful and mighty but he was just a root out of dry ground. His birth, think about it, was not in a royal nursery. It was in a barnyard through a peasant mother named Mary and a stepfather who was a a blue-collar, hard-working carpenter. No room in the end. And then... To add to that dry ground, he lived in the city of Nazareth, and the question was asked often. It was a saying. It was, a, it was part, if you wanted to get a point across of how pitiful somebody was, they would say, can anything come good out of Nazareth? That was the question that was asked when Jesus' name came up. Jesus of Nazareth. Every time he introduced himself as Jesus of Nazareth, it said to that culture, he's, he's from trash. He's from nobodies. There is no lineage. There is nobody powerful. There is nobody influential who has ever come out of Nazareth. And every time his name is mentioned, it's always with the identity to Nazareth. He's saying, I'm a root out of dry ground, Nazareth. Can anything come? He was born with farm animals around him. He was born with the smell of filth. He is in dry ground. And you'd think, okay, if you, if you don't have anything much going for you, surround yourself with winners, right? The disciples he chose did nothing to build his prestige or his, 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 his stature. He, had he chose some men of renown had he chose some super highly successful people if, if he had found somebody at least that had a degree in theology and philosophy if he could find somebody who who could speak publicly i mean if you're going to take a message to the whole world you might need a professional ted talk type guy that could really bring it you know and wow the congregation with his verbal skills and and he gets Fishermen and cussers and fighters, and, and they had B.O., and they, 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 they were no names. They were just normal people, teenagers, crazy kids. And, 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 and he says, I, I, I choose you, follow me. I choose you, follow me. It's really amazing that this tender plant didn't just spring up, but he grew, the text said. That tender plant that came out of the most adverse circumstances overcame where he came from because he had been planted in the the earth. And that tender plant grew into a magnificent tree of life that would bring shelter and would bring shade to the troubled brows of men and women who had the sun and the pressures of life and the diseases and the hopeless situations, they run into the shadow of the Almighty and they find the secret place where there's healing and there's help and there's hope through Him. Through those conditions, out of that place of obscurity, in the middle of barren, dry, dry ground comes the root. The tender plant didn't die. I want to announce this morning, he still lives. The root out of dry ground is still alive. It's easy to get your eyes on this world. And you see all the craziness, the woke culture. You see everything that's going on. The evil is called good, and good is called evil. And nowadays, it's almost like you you feel like this this is this world is so wicked and so evil and we get discouraged and we forget he didn't come into a perfect society and he came into dry ground. So if the schools and the universities have kicked God out and, and it's, you know what, that's just dry ground for Jesus to be planted and he'll prove it again. I don't need anything to change this. All you need to do is what you're doing fast and pray and seek me and then get the seeds of the word of of life and start planting Jesus everywhere. It's dry. It's barren. It's lifeless. We don't give up on people. We don't give up on them because they are they're in the middle of a dry thing. Even if they are resistant. Even if they're defiant. If they don't like it, God don't play fair. I know that's terrible English, but God doesn't play fair. <laughs> Wrong place. Wrong time, born into the wrong background, wrong connections, but he survived. The root lives. The tender plant lives. And if he ever gets room in any condition, it doesn't matter how bad it is, he will start growing. Why did he grow? Because he was God manifest in the flesh. He needs nothing outside himself to survive. He is Self-existent. He did not need the help of men to survive. He did not need political connections to survive and thrive. He did not need royalty acknowledging him. He did not need CNN or anybody else to make him man of the year or Time magazine. He didn't need position, power, wealth. He didn't need any of it, and he still does it. He can do it all by himself. He's God, and he was manifest in the flesh. He does not need soil that's fertile to survive. He's the root out of dry ground. The soil contributed nothing for his survival. Well, we got to approach God that way. We got to get back to that. Because if we don't watch it, we get to thinking that boy, you know, you know, I, I'm really something. No, you're not. He did not need soul. He did not need anything. He could have chosen anyone. He could have used anyone. When I look at this ministry and I see what God is doing... I want you to know he did not have to. I have not done this, and you have not done this. All we were was people who said, I'm going to give him some room. I'm going to give him some space. My life is the dry, barren wilderness. I am nothing. I have nothing to offer him. But boy, when I dropped him into my barren life, he took my mind. He took my body. He took my heart. He took my dreams. He took my vision. He took my talents. And he said, let me see. what I can do. You can't do it on your own. I could do it through anybody but since you gave me room I'll, 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 I'll let something grow out of the dryness and barrenness uselessness, fruitless life that you are. The soil contributed nothing. The soil, dry ground doesn't give anything, doesn't support the plant, doesn't support the growth. That's The power of Jesus, He's self-sufficient. Adverse conditions do not have to determine the outcome of your life. Just because you came from less than perfect or you're in it does not mean those conditions have to mean your life has a terrible similar outcome. That's the message. The root out of dry ground says plant me in the ground of a drug addict. I don't need them to fix themselves. I don't need them to stop. I don't need them to get more willpower. What I need is you to start planting. This is the word. This is the seed. Plant it. Plant it inside of your heart. Plant it inside of your mind. Plant it inside of your spirit. And if you will do that, it will start growing. It will start spreading. It will start taking over. It will start shoving some things out so that some new things can come up and spring forth speedily you can plant jesus into any adverse circumstance and situation and he will grow plant him in any environment and he will grow plant him in a in a in a ghetto in a housing project infested with drugs and alcohol and he will grow plant him in a prison and he will grow plant him in a dysfunctional family and he will grow and bless that same family and it's not up to them changing in all of this he begins to take over but you have to give him room plant him Into a dead church and watch his presence come and watch the seats start filling up. Because when Jesus is planning in any circumstance, life comes. He doesn't need anything from the environment to grow, he just needs some room. You don't have anything to give him except a little space. Jesus can grow anywhere. Tell somebody that. Say, He can grow anywhere. Say, so, so he can grow in your son. He can grow in your daughter. Well, they're not open to it. Well, Lazarus wasn't real open. Lazarus, I've heard people say, you have to. Have, God has to have the will. You have to give God the will. That, no, that's not true. Lazarus was dead. He was a dead man. He didn't even have the will. He didn't have nothing. But when Jesus stepped in that graveyard and said, come forth, he came forth. I want you to know, you may have a loved one in some gay lifestyle or some kind of perverted situation, but the Lord wants you to understand your job is not to fix them and your job is not to wait till they say, yeah, I'm open to it. They may be as resistant as they can be. They may be so messed up that they can't even give their will to want God. But when you begin to pray for them, when you begin to fast for them, when you begin to love them, when you begin to reach for them, then you are planning Jesus in dry ground and he's the root out of dry ground and nothing can stop his grace nothing can stop his power nothing can hold down what he says is coming up give the Lord a praise if you know that's your testimony give him room to work a miracle come on give him room to work a miracle in your life sow Jesus plant Jesus into a depression sow him into the discouragement into suicidal thoughts let him get in it you won't be the same you won't be the same give him room when jesus got planted i gave him room when i got saved to affect my mind to affect my ability to affect my gifts and my talents i contributed very little but I gave him room and he began to show me who I was and he began to show me what I could do. And he began to show me what the spirit of God could do in my life with a nobody that is nothing but barren and wasted. He began to show me who I was when I gave him just a little bit of room and that victory began to grow in me, that self-confidence began to grow in me, the talents and gifts started flourishing and the anointing and the opportunities, it all is in him. You you have very little to play. And if y'all keep looking at me like that, I'm going to start walking around with a microphone. I'm going to tell everything I know on you. Because I know some stuff. And people look so... Amen. They need that, Pastor. We remember when some of you were messed up, tore up from the floor up, jacked up, smelled smelled like weed and liquor every time you came to church, but you kept coming. You just kept coming. And we just kept planting Jesus. I'm telling you, he'll take just any part of you, you'll give him. You, you, you quit worrying about, I can't change.
1: You quit worrying about, I can't quit. And you just give Jesus. Just fall at his feet and say, Jesus, please take this dry and barren ground and make me, give me life and life more abundantly. Everybody take a praise break. I feel Jesus in this house. Woo! Hey,
0: I get excited because I see young people. Oh, if you'll just let him have a little room in your heart. My goodness, he starts out small, but he'll take you all over the world. Plant Jesus in a nation and watch what he'll do. Plant Jesus in our schools. Oh, I want to scream it. Plant him, plant him. But he can fix our schools. He can fix education. He can fix our economy. He can fix the church. He can fix the problems in the family and the home. He can fix all the gender confusion. Plant Jesus. He's not afraid of it. He likes, he likes the uh, circumstances that are adverse for, for him. He actually likes to go to crack houses. He actually likes to go to strip clubs. He likes it. I didn't say you need to like it. I said he likes it. Stay out of there. You ain't that. You ain't got that much Jesus. You just sow it. <laughs> come on, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. i crazy. I'm starting to feel this thing kick in. Plant Jesus in Africa. Plant him. Plant him in the jungles of South America. Plant him in communist China, and watch that church come out of dry ground. Plant him in socialist Europe and watch
1: that church come alive. I'm not giving up on the world. I'm not
0: giving up on the nations of the world. Plant him in Russia, and they can say God's not real, but watch him, watch him. He doesn't need the government. He doesn't need the president. He doesn't have to have anybody. He just needs a space. Plant him in downtown Atlanta. Planting in Southern California. That's what we did. And I get so aggravated when I go out there sometimes. It's just a crazy, godless, money, money, money. Is there God, things, homes, this, that, the other, just like Atlanta, just like here, just like everywhere. People told me, now you're going to have to change when you go to California because and I walked in and I screamed like I scream, I preached and I just plant Jesus and thousands of people showed up to the glory of God. It works wherever we go. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't you give up on anybody that you have on this fast on your mind because the Lord says, I am the root out of dry ground. You see no circumstances that show any positivity that Jesus is going to grow there. He says, you just keep planting me. Plant Jesus and watch him grow. Plant him into the alcoholic. Somebody took the time to bring you Jesus. Somebody took the time to tell you about Jesus. Somebody took the time to witness to you. You know what they were doing? They were playing it. It wasn't when you had it together. And so many of you that are lost that are here this week, and you don't even know why you came to church this morning, but there's always in your mind, when I stop doing this, and when I stop doing that, and when I get out of this, I love it. I love it that this church has people who who sometimes, you know, all kinds of stories of people who are so far less than perfect, which includes all of us but the reason god brought you here is it's not up to you to make it happen it's not i've got to do i've got to do i've got to do better i've got to do better it's up to you to really give your heart to god and when you let him get planted he will, he, it's, it's like when you drop a, let's say you got a bucket of water and you take a big cinder block and you drop that bucket of water and it's full to the brim with water. But when you drop it into that, the water just, boom, it just splashes over. It just, it just bellows over and half of the water will come out when you drop that cinder block into that big bucket of water. And you didn't have to do anything but just let it drop. That's the expose, That's the that's the that's the power of God to just uh, push stuff over and out of us when He drops in. It's not even like you got to strain and struggle when He when the Holy Spirit. I feel this. When the Holy Spirit drops in on you, boom, all that hate, all that bitterness, all that prejudice, all that addiction, all that past, all that unforgiveness, it just splashes out because he's so much better and so much bigger that those things just start leaving and exiting your life. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So this song that we just sung a few minutes ago, I want to close with it. And I want to tell you an incredible story, true story. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He will do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Now you, you need to listen to me. There is an unusual anointing in this room for miracles, for deliverance, and for help. In 1949, Billy Graham went to Los Angeles, California, as basically he was known in the Baptist denomination as a young evangelist. But they had not heard of him nationwide or any worldwide, certainly not. He felt like God wanted him to put up his tent in. Los Angeles and have a crusade in the middle of Hollywood and the city of L.A. And he had a press conference and a few came and they searched the papers the next day looking for PR that would help build the crowd and not one article was written but there was a woman, once the revival started, it started and it was just kind of bumping along a few hundred people. There was a woman who was a Presbyterian lady and she was a Bible teacher. Her name was Hen- Henrietta Mears. And she invited Billy Graham one afternoon while he was preaching that crusade to, to her uh, Hollywood Hills home there in. California, to speak to a group of Hollywood personalities, very influential, the biggest movie stars, some of them of that time, and there was a country western star by the name of Stuart Hamlin, who also hosted a local radio show live every day that covered all of Los Angeles, that's a picture of him, he was one of the biggest movie stars of that day and that era. He was infamous for his drinking and carousing with women and brawling and gambling. That was what he was known off of the movie screens. And he had a huge, huge, huge following. And that day at that lunch in that woman's home with several people, Billy Graham and this man, Stuart Hamlin, they connected and... They took a liking to each other. And Billy Graham began to long to see this man who was far from God come to Jesus. The campaign went on for three weeks as he preached under the tent, and not one time did Stuart come and hear him preach. But he would call him, and they would eat meals, and they would talk and laugh. Just had to make a decision, Billy Graham did, at the end of the three weeks. His, his sponsors came, his, organizi- his organization people, and they said, um, we feel momentum is building this third week. We think we should go a few more weeks with the crusade. And Billy Graham had never done that before. And he said that he was hesitant because he had never done it before, but he said, I'll pray about it. And he said he prayed about it. This is Billy Graham's words. And he said he asked God for a sign. Should I go on with that meeting in Los Angeles? The next morning at 4.30 a.m., he received a call that awakened him in his hotel room. It was Stewart on the other line. He said, my wife and I, Susie, need to come see you this afternoon. Can we see you at your hotel? He met with them at the hotel, and they talked about his life, how broken his marriage was, how messed up his life was, how addicted and bound he was to alcohol. And that night, for the first time, Stuart went to Billy Graham's crusade and broke and walked down the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus Christ and was gloriously... Gloriously saved he got on his radio program the next day and he told the whole city of los angeles I am not the same man. I have been set free. I have been born again It shook the whole city The LA times picked up the story. They called it listen to the wording. I love the wording I saw this actual article sin Smashing revival hits LA Boy. Oh God, send another sin smashing revival to hit. See, that's the problem. We act like nothing's a sin anymore. We act like you can have Jesus and have you lovers and have you immorality and have you junk and have you but but when Jesus drops in, a lot of stuff's gonna pour out. Listen to this the tent revival went wild and article after article celebrity after celebrity hollywood's biggest stars were getting born again were getting saved and by the thousands they came and it it began it was the launch of the billy graham evangelistic association that would go around the world and reach millions of souls shortly after that meeting moved to another place. Stuart Hamlin, this movie star, had a dear friend. His best friend was a man who was the largest movie star of that day. His name was John Wayne. They were neighbors and lived in the same neighborhood, and John had been off filming and had missed the whole revival of Billy Graham. For months, he had been filming on location. He came back into town, and Stuart said, I felt the need to go share with my friend how Jesus had changed my life. They had partied together. They had done everything that Hollywood had to offer together. Fame, fortune. And Stewart said he went to his home that night and he had gathered some of the other friends in the neighborhood because he hadn't seen them for months and they were having a dinner. And he said the subject came up and they all began to talk about, and this is the subject, how people can solve problems within themselves. And everybody had their own philosophies. Not one time was God or Jesus mentioned. And they got to Stuart Hamlin. And they said, what do you think? And he said these words. He hadn't written the song yet. But he said, it is no secret what God can do in a man's life. Two hours later, he went to leave and John Wayne got up and followed him to the door of his mansion and he said to Stuart, he said, you know, what you said, it is no secret what God can do. He said, that's a powerful statement. It got me right here. You should go. John Wayne told him. This is his own words why, where the inspiration came from. He said, you should go home and write a new song and call it, It is No Secret, What God Can Do. This is a heathen telling. He said he left John Wayne's home when a few houses down, sat down at his piano in his own mansion, and within 17 minutes, he wrote the words and the music. Because it is no secret. I don't know what you're fasting for. Every time I walk over here, it messes me up. Because there's pictures that people started putting down in here, and I don't recommend you do it until we figure it out. We don't want this thing to catch you on fire, but... There's pictures in here of loved ones. That somebody said it is no secret what God can do. I know the circumstances are not good. Oh, but he's the root out of dry ground. There are no hopeless situations. You may have somebody that is mentally just messed up or addict, you know, addicted to cocaine or drugs and God only knows what they're into, but oh your job is not to change them and then maybe we can get them help and then come to Jesus. Your job is to plant Jesus. Plant him. The chimes of time. I want to sing this a minute. Ring out the news another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. I love this. Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength,
1: your courage to renew.
0: Do not be disheartened. I have good news for you.
1: It is no secret what my God
0: can do. He's here right now. What He's done for others, He'll do
1: just for you, just for you. With all out open He'll pardon you just like you are
0: it is
1: no secret what God
0: I gotta sing the second verse and I'm done listen to these words there is no night, let's flow with it. For in him is light, and you'll never walk alone. Come on, sir. You'll always
1: feel at home
0: wherever you may roam. Listen to this, this is so powerful. For there is no power that can conquer you while God is on your side. Take Him
1: at His promise. Don't run for the door and hide. It is no secret. Do you need a miracle this morning? Come and stand. Do you need freedom this morning? Do you need God to do something you can't do? Are you in adverse circumstances and you don't know how to change them in some area of your life? Slip out of that seat and walk down. Humble yourself. Give your room. Don't be like the roomkeeper in the Bible. the Holy there If you need a miracle in your home or in your life, raise your hands.
0: you to play it again. And I want everybody in this room to reach over and lay your hand on the shoulder of someone beside you. If you're in overflow, if you're watching right now at all of our campuses, the pastors are going to come right now, but I want you to reach over. Oh. Oh, let's worship him. He's in this house. Somebody's being healed in your body. Somebody's being set free in your mind. Somebody's being
1: set free physically right now from something you can't beat. It's like it's it's on your back and you can't get it off. But, oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. So begin to pray right now. Pray for God to move. Pray for God to heal homes and families. Pray, and those of you who have
0: come forward, say, Jesus, I give you room. I give you my life. I give you everything. I surrender to you. Take my life. It's barren.
1: It's dry. There's no life there.
0: And others think that it—that I'll never be anything. But here, I give you space. I give you room. Be Lord of my life. With arms wide open.
1: Here. It is no what?
0: God. A- we hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin, and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv